religion, politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be. Welcome back to Analyzed. I'm your host, Thomas. And today we have a full panel of people. We have, uh, yeah, yeah, we've got Elias is back. How you doing, man? Doing good, doing good, guys. Uh, we've also got Sam this week. Hey, good to be here. JJ's joining us. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we have uh, another guest uh, from another podcast uh, called Abs in a Six Pack. Uh, today's guest is Chris. How you doing, man? Doing good. Good wanna, to be here. Yeah. I've wanna... listened to every episode of Analyze, so I have I have thoroughly Thank analyzed you. Analyze. <laughs> I have not mm. listened to every episode of Abs in a Six Pack because you have a lot more episodes than we do. Um, and, and some of them some are really long. Ones. Yeah, some of them are really long. Some of them are way too long. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to kind of give us uh, some background about what your show is about? Oh man. Uh, well, we started kind of early 2020, so it's still a fresh, fairly new show. But man, we we try not to lock ourselves down to anything. But and my two co-hosts have been kind of sparse the last several episodes. But it started off with three of us, and we're all naturally conspiratorial minded so we have a lot of episodes on that like early on we did a two-part episode on bill gates um but i mean we just did a whole episode about poop so uh <laughs> did a whole episode about dreams not too long ago uh just did an episode on uh, molecular science today so kind of all over the place but definitely conspiracy heavy because that's what's fun to us so what what really initially got you into conspiracy theories uh <clears throat> Probably my first red pill, as with a lot of people, was JFK, for sure. Um, I actually did a whole, like, thorough book report, like, above and beyond the Call of Duty in sixth grade with printed out documents, witness reports, and everything. And that, that to me, is, like, the first puzzle piece that makes everything else fit because when you realize that within two years of the assassination, 177 witnesses, Dallas PD eyewitnesses, journalists, all died in single car crashes, suicides. Some people got shot multiple times. It was a rule of suicide. When you realize how big of a scope that is, um, and that I think anybody that honestly looks at it, it, it you're not being honest with, with yourself if you don't think that the CIA wasn't involved. And then Lyndon Johnson ordering the limo to be destroyed, or refurbished, rather, to uh, get rid of all the evidence the next day. Um, and it, I mean, there's, that's a JFK is a 10 hour show, but that's, yeah. that's the big red pill. I think that a lot of people have had. And recently, I think a lot of people, the red pill was Jeffrey Epstein, the cameras malfunctioning. And this guy that was friends with Kevin Spacey, Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, um, Trump in, in a smaller way, it seems like was close friends with Epstein early on, even though he informed on Epstein to the FBI. So like when the the most high profile criminal in the most secure prison 
in the United States dies and the cameras malfunction, a lot of people, their brains kind of melted. And that's why we had so many people fall for the Q nonsense, which was you realize that there's a bunch of elite banker, billionaire pedophiles that run things. And so you think like, oh, everybody must be a pedophile, Satan worshiping pedophile and the Q thing took off. So would you say that melted people's brains? <laughs> would you say that you're you're fairly open to conspiracy theory ideas in general? Um, if if the evidence is convincing to me, now there's some that I don't believe, but I like to pretend like I believe, like the lizard people one. It's like I've seen <laughs> yeah. no evidence of this really, but it's a fun theory, it is and kind it of makes sense one. as why all these elites are trying to get us to eat bugs worldwide. Like you see all these articles like cockroaches milk is actually really healthy. It's like, yeah, <laughs> lizards would like something like that to be on the menu. But so one of the things that um, you had sent me the, uh, like the pandemic videos a few times. And uh, I had noticed just from some of the content on your show, you talked a bit about uh, like the uh, COVID-19 and uh, mass mandates and, and sort of some of those things that it sounded like, Probably we would disagree with some of the things that uh, you've expressed on your show. And that was some uh, some of what it sounded like uh, Sam and JJ were curious uh, to hear from you about. Um, I was kind of curious uh, what, what your take on COVID-19 and uh, vaccines and masks and kind of that whole ordeal is. Um. Well, can we back up for a minute before we get into COVID and do maybe like, because I'm curious about what you guys think, like, what do you guys agree? Because you, you to, to understand sure. my and a lot of people's position on Trump, COVID, all the current day stuff, mm -hmm. you need like an understanding of um, the lens, like the, everything is about the lens that you look at the world through, right? Like right. Um, mm -hmm. No Agenda and Scott Adams have talked a lot about Dimension A and Dimension B, where half the country... Both the whole country is watching the same screen, uh -huh. and half the country's seeing one movie, half the country's seeing another movie oh, because yeah. of their interpretation of it. It's like we so, live in two realities, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe so, more. To, I, I would argue that 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 form of like you thinking about uh, viewing history through the lenses of like media or whatever being like a, a two dimension thing. I think it's far bigger than that though. Yeah. I think it's, uh, uh, like every brain on the planet is different. And so every perception, like we cannot duplicate anybody else's perception. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I can't fully know how somebody else perceives what information they missed yeah, and then they're getting a report, or, or I mean, yeah, we're all we're all going to have different, you know, slightly right. different takes on things, but largely, I so I kind it, of view that we're we're very polarized into two large camps overall, yeah. right now. Yeah. The, the the two bit it comes to a very big two, right now, and, and if, I think it's if about any to be a two three. people, uh, if any two people agree with each other on every issue, oh yeah, that probably means those two people are in some kind of cult. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, probably. So. Ah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> so, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Wait, sorry. I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, we're talking about why the my, my background of what lens I'm looking through COVID at. So right, right. The, when, when you uh, th things like JFK's 9-11, especially where, you know, Donald Rumsfeld's on TV on C-SPAN on September 10th, 2001 and says the Pentagon 
can't account for $2.1 trillion, or 2.3, I think it was actually. And then the next day, a plane that somehow couldn't get captured on video, because I guess the Pentagon doesn't have any good security cameras, blows up the accounting section of the Pentagon. So when you when you take a, a um, when you're looking at when you already n know all this stuff, or at least are aware of it, and someone like Trump gets elected, you really don't get your panties in a wad or freak out or you know clutch your pearls or start hand wringing because the orange man's president and uh, that that that's that's um, something that plenty of people I know have gone off the deep end over. Um, is just the Trump presidency, but also at the same time, Trump has opened people's eyes to how much the media lies. Even if people don't like Trump, they acknowledge, uh, well, there's this lie that he said Nazis were very fine people. You've heard that parroted over and over. Or he never, uh, he never condemned white supremacy. So, well, that's the thing. Um, if I remember that that speech correctly, he he. He kind of had to get backed into condemning white supremacy, but when he did, he immediately equivocated it with with Antifa um, to kind of try to put them on par with each other when they're actually not the same. But the, there was a very immediate equivocation, and that happens every time uh, he tries. You know, anytime he he uh, condemns white supremacists or Nazis, he immediately brings up Antifa. Yeah. Um, so it's well, it's like the, it's a tactic. The actual quote in that. With the very fine people quote, literally within the next sentence or two, he says, and quote unquote, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis or white supremacists because they should be condemned totally. Right. And then immediately now, after that, he brought up Trump necessarily. Yeah, you're right about that. I'm not right. here to defend Trump necessarily. It more is to say, um, well, I do think he's probably the closest thing to a good president that we've had since John F. Kennedy, but he was still a really shitty president. So, um, <laughs> but the, anyway, um. The point I'm trying to make is that the the lens that um, a lot of people who get criticized as being, you know, um, anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers, a lot of these people are looking at this from a totally different perspective with different priorities, usually pro-freedom priorities than mm -hmm. other people. So when it comes to um, the masks, I, I am not an anti-masker. I am a wear a mask if you want kind of person. See, I I, I view um, that as a pro-freedom thing too, but I view it right. a little differently in that I think that people should have the freedom to be able to exist within society without being subjected to an unnecessary risk. Well, there's people that argue um, that wearing a mask for prolonged periods of time is, is an unnecessary risk. Even Dr. Fauci himself pinned a paper uh, citing prolonged mask wearing as a cause of bacterial pneumonia. So it's now, it, it's really like there's no clause in the Constitution for pandemics. Um, but I think even if these fake bumped up numbers were 10 times worse than they apparently are, like 300,000 deaths or whatever, even if it was 3 million deaths, that's still not a, a cause for small businesses to be shut down and people to lose their livelihoods because of a virus. So, <clears throat> I, I want to clarify some of, some of my perspective here. So, I come from from a science background. Uh, I was not a big when Trump was elected. I really didn't care. It was not until this pandemic broke out and the handling 
of said pandemic uh, was essentially fumbled. So um, my critique of the Trump administration really begins in 2019, rolling into 2020. Um, uh, The masks, the the mask issue in and of itself, while I understand the freedom argument, we also have to come at this from a social responsibility argument. Uh, We have plenty of laws in place as precedent to promote social responsibility i.e you don't drink and drive i mean is it my freedom to go out and get drunk get behind the wheel of a car and then harm somebody so when we look at at the mask issue i i believe that as an individual in the united states of america it is my job to help protect those who are immunocompromised um it's a simple thing you wear a mask, you socially distance, and we slow the spread of the illness, ultimately negating the need to shut down businesses. Whereas when you have a novel virus that appears out of nowhere with limited information, you have to take drastic action until you know enough about the disease in order to lift restrictions. So uh, that's just uh, my perspective and lens on this. I think, I mean, that makes sense. And a lot of people feel that way. Um, the problem is even the UN admits that tens of millions of people extra than what is normal have already starved to death because of these lockdowns. Um, it, not worldwide, not just, not, I'm not obviously not talking about the United States, but um, then you have uh, Klaus Schwab and his outfit with the Great Reset saying that, and then like uh, politicians from all over the world saying, well, we can actually also lock down in the future just like this to help save the climate. Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset with the World Economic Forum. You've got the CEOs of like Mastercard and Bank of America and Prince Andrew, or yeah, Prince Andrews, and um, Bill Gates and all these guys saying, "Yeah, this we're going to reset the economy, do a global currency." Uh, the North American Union documents that were leaked a long time ago talk about using Disease X is what they call it in those documents to uh, shut down economies and create a centralized currency. Uh, the Rockefeller Foundation's operation, or no, Project Lockstep is what the document's entitled, which uh, is linked on my website. It talks about a, a virus where China does very well, locks down the whole economy, and is used to usher in a police state globally. So that's the other thing about this is this, this virus, we didn't know when it was coming, but the people that have been paying attention to this type of stuff knew that a mystery disease would be used to uh, usher in this type of thing. And and make the rich richer and the poor poor. Uh, American billionaires have doubled their wealth yeah. in the just in 2020 alone because small businesses are forced to be shut down while your WalMarts and your Taco Bells and your Amazons are at full capacity. Now, in the same respect, when we say we didn't know when this was coming, epidemiologists over the past 40 or 50 years have been sounding the alarm on zoonotic diseases. Uh, transitioning into the uh, human population. Uh, They run scenarios um, every few years just to run through what would happen in the event of a pandemic. So I can, I I mean, event 201. I mean, I understand that some of that seems, oh, well, something's going on. They know what's coming. But in the same respect, yeah, we know what's coming. There's a pattern. If you look at the history, we had the, you know, the Spanish influenza. We have the Ebola virus. Um, So, what part how much of this is just good preparation for a real probability versus some cons- 
conspiracy to totally reset the global economy. And I think we're almost at two different levels where I'm looking at this at the at the micro level of protecting human life versus this huge macro situation that, that you're looking at. Do you guys remember who coined that phrase, the unknown unknown? Do you remember uh, that? Rumsfeld, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't. Okay, well, here's. Don't get me wrong. I know the the conspiracy world is hell bent on these big guys. Okay, I understand why everything's highly suspicious and highly suspect. But what if these guys are genuinely focused and concerned on uh, not only making a shit ton of money, but uh, ensuring that they continue to make a shit ton of money for every member of their family, so on and so so forth for the next millennia? Bloodlines. yeah, well, yeah, but here's the thing. Why necessarily is it likely that all of their ideas are bad? Because I'm pretty confident if you t- if you go hunt that unknown unknown, uh, they've probably hired some of the smartest people in the world to work on figuring out what the unknown unknowns are. And one of them would be something like global warming. This is something that it may not be fully. There may be things that lean it one way or the other may, may be things that make it look real bad and make it look not so bad. But if it does go bad, it will be infinitely bad. And same thing with um, possible pandemics. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely there's i don't think any well i mean sure some people some people are arguing this but i don't think anybody's saying that billionaires are all bad um i mean even bill gates gives to charities right but uh it's weird well i don't want to jump too far ahead into vaccines because i'm sure we'll get to that but so i'll save that one but it was weird when doc uh dr fauci in 2015 said there's no doubt there will be a surprise outbreak during the trump administration uh it's certain to happen it's like, what did he know? And then you look at Newsweek.com, Dr. Fauci backed controversial Wuhan lab with U.S. dollars for risky coronavirus research. If you know anything about gain of function, what they do is they take an existing virus, make it more deadly, make it more communicable. Uh, the scientist lab-made coronavirus triggers debate. That was from 2015. So um, what essentially happened is they outlawed gain of function research on coronaviruses, and then Fauci had it moved to Wuhan with the NIH. And this was all going on in 2015, and there's articles from back then with scientists being concerned about it. Um, you have the Nobel Prize winner, um, French guy, I believe, what's his name? Um, I can't remember what his name is, but the no- uh, he discovered, he got the Nobel Prize for discovering HIV. He's looked at it, says it was clearly made in a lab. Uh, Dr. Francis Boyle, who authored the U.S. Biological Weapons Treaty for the U.N. and has prosecuted more war criminals than anyone alive, as far as I know, says this was clearly a bioweapon that was created in a lab. So it's not crackpots that are espousing these. It's Nobel Prize winning doctors, lawyers, and there's hundreds of them. 
Well, even yeah, even sorry. really really smart people uh, followed Hitler. I mean, when it came down sure. to it, you know, just just because you have an academic background, you've got to look at the overwhelming amount of evidence that's out there before you can come to you know a, a conclusion. And thus far, I mean, even I initially uh, thought, okay, this is. If it wasn't engineered, it was at least released from the Wuhan lab accidentally because they were studying it there. And I still think that that may be a possibility. Was that done, you know, with malice? Uh, I I don't know. And when it comes to this, and the um, uh, gain of function testing, yes, it was temporarily paused in the United States in 2015 and offshore. However, it was also restarted uh, back on our soil once. Um, they deemed that the research was necessary. So, uh, and a lot of that is just learning how that virus functions so we can fight it. Uh, because obviously SARS-CoV, uh, COV-1, uh, was, was kind of a wake-up call um, for, you know, virologists everywhere who study epidemics because it's something we had never seen before. And then we had an outbreak of MERS that followed that. And now we have COV-2, which is uh, an entirely different uh, virus in the COVID family. So That's what I wanted to bring up, is uh, you mentioned that it, it seems suspicious that Fauci would mention that there was a, uh, a possibility of a surprise infectious outbreak, or that there would be a surprise infectious outbreak. Um, th- that doesn't seem surprising to me, being as we have a history of surprise infectious outbreaks that aren't terribly uncommon. <laughs> That's fair. Right. And what's interesting about that is with the H1N1 swine, or uh, I think it was swine flu, yeah, swine flu under the Obama administration, they, uh, and I, I believe there's been several apologies from that administration and the CDC for this, but. They handled it very improperly, but since it wasn't the orange man in office, the media uh, toned down the rhetoric on it, and what, they just what, stopped testing and stopped reporting on cases, whereas this is like, oh, cases, cases, cases. It's been nothing but cases for all of 2020. We look at that, before we look at that, you agree, though, that knowing that infectious, like, unique and novel infections aren't extremely uncommon— makes that less unsurprising to make a comment like that you would agree that makes sense right yeah uh but the fact that he was funding gain of the wuhan lab when he at the time he said that makes me a little suspicious well the wuhan lab yeah that's newsweek.com dr fauci back controversial wuhan lab with u.s dollars for risky coronavirus research like but coronavirus research was a hot topic because of cov1 Yep. Like it, it, it right. I would wouldn't you expect some scientific interest in coronaviruses after that incident? I mean, sure. Um, like th- especially that re- if you're trying to it, shouldn't that revise you your confidence with, up. Uh, another thing to, that's interesting to look at is Dr. Fauci's wife who um is one of the top officials who approves vaccine efficacy and then Fauci's connections with Moderna, who's he's getting a lot of uh, money per per well, he's getting a certain amount of money per vial of the Moderna vaccine. Um, can we play some? I wonder if there's a way for me to send these to you, Thomas. Can I, can we hear a little bit of Dr. Fauci? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if I can pipe that in. 
on the fly or not. We could maybe. Uh, I feel like we're 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 moving like we're slanting past the issues though when yeah. we talk about it like this, like SARS-CoV-1 was a genuine infectious disease outbreak. So, the fact that someone that spent six decades in infectious disease research would have a vested interest in doing scientific research shouldn't surprise us. Correct. Right, but he he kind of <laughs> bumbled would be a huge understatement with the HIV crisis. Um, <laughs> you you can read open letters from the LGBT. How's that related to my point? Back, uh, as far as Fauci making money off of infectious diseases, how's HIV that related to my point? Wasn't your point about it would not being weird that Fauci would? It's not I mean, weird it's, when we see a new unique infection uh 15 years ago that we direct more money to it for scientific research we should expect that especially we should expect that from an infectious disease expert um, it would be weird if he ignored yeah. it so well it's so from your perspective what would i say if like if fauci had done nothing and had been totally uninvolved in this process you might could say that Fauci was completely uninterested in this issue. Like, I feel like it's almost win-lose. Like, either Fauci, who is an infectious disease expert, is going to be invested in infectious disease, or he's not. But since we have a history of infectious disease uniquely appearing, and then him following up researching someone who has been in the industry for six decades, we shouldn't be surprised. This is this but should shouldn't, be shouldn't normal. we be surprised where he was funding the lab that's the sp suspected origin of it? See, I don't I don't think that that's that's surprising either because the gain of function testing began in the United States again. That was a part of trying to understand how the virus functions, uh, and then when we shut that down because we weren't sure about the safety of the testing protocols. Uh, they decided to offshore it to Wuhan because they have a vi virology lab. The, the Wuhan lab is essentially uh, on par with our CDC facilities in the United States. So it is fully equipped uh, to perform this level of testing. And uh, back in, then in 2017, the U.S. actually lifted that moratorium after new guidelines were issued for experiments per the NIH. So... It went to Wuhan, it came back to the United States in 17, and then you have a three-year gap before, you know, COV-2. Um, I, I don't think anything is, I mean, we're trying to, to piece something together that isn't there, in, in my opinion, because yes, new virus, dangerous to populations, we don't know how it functions, we need to do the testing. Uh, our testing avenues in the United States get shut down, we move it to China, uh, and then we eventually bring it back on shore. So I, I just I don't know how much is there to actually support this theory that COV2 is a man-made virus right. designed to reset the world economy and how? allow all of these people to take over. Well, I, I have uh, archived over the last year over 100 hours, probably closer to 120 hours of nurses, doctors, scientists, uh, epidemiologists, virologists, immunologists, all of the same, uh, I mean, ver saying various things, but w within their own field of expertise. And I've heard a lot of experts talk about how even virologists saying, like, <laughs> that 
there's first of all been this virus has not been found in a bat as far as i can tell but lots of virologists saying this is way viruses don't evolve or mutate this quickly this did like a hundred years of of mutation within a couple of months is what the like the consensus and i'm not an i'm obviously not a doctor of virologist but i've compiled you know a plethora of different experts talking about this and sure there's experts talking about it on the other side so the question is it becomes who do you believe and there's also a, a problem of false consensus created when you lose your funding you lose your job you're blacklisted blackballed and <laughs> and censored from the internet when you're a doctor within a, a dissenting view or a virologist with a dissenting view we've had thousands and thousands of of health experts kicked off of all social media during this pandemic so it, it and i do have a bit of anecdotal evidence that isn't related to covid about this my uh, family doctor in ohio dr pickens um i wasn't going in, in in there for a terminal illness but we had there was all there would always be people with like m miracle stories in the lobby where they were cancer free without chemo because of his work and stuff like that he was raided by a SWAT team they took all of his stuff all of his millions of dollars of equipment and he won in court and got his medical license back but there's definitely a uh, risk you take when you dissent from the you know narrative or the uh, peer-reviewed work is in the medical yeah. field especially wait, 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 because wait you become you, you are are con then essentially conducting experiments that are not hold, hold up though, necessarily hold up, ethical yeah hold up though he's <laughs> trying to buy a vaccines. SWAT team hold up was he tr he was trying to buy a SWAT team what no no no. he was swatted oh okay it no, 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 he, really a SWAT team to took me, all his stuff sorry if I misspoke <laughs> okay. there, but uh, we've, we've but yeah, moved. no it, unethical medical experiments is what this coronavirus research that skipped all animal trials is it's actually uh, a violation of the nuremberg code nuremberg code uh technically speaking because it it has it's literally in we have no idea of the long-term effects of this thing it just got made that's why we, we've been conducting authorizations right yeah the, 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 there's a couple things here so yeah. <laughs> it did go through all human clinical trial testing the same testing all all vaccines roll out under um and this virus this vaccine the mrna technology has been in development for over 10 years uh this also shows how when you redirect millions of dollars onto one subject um, hey by the, the way that the the doctor that's led the way in the myrna stuff mm -hmm. she also had a lot of her research buried i, I actually was talking to a guy who's uh, a very close friend of mine who's a, a head of a he's he has a very high level job in a hospital um and he was tell he was talking to me about the the vaccine he's like the lady who was studying the stuff people were throwing out her her uh you know the stuff that she was trying to put out there they were trying to bury it cover it up and meanwhile that happens all the time in the it yeah, the reason that and the reason that stuff happens is because there is so much money in the pharmaceutical industry and let's um, get let's go to that later but i, I didn't want to i i did want to mention i mean like we if when we're talking about conspiracy stuff there are just as many the thing that drives me crazy is there's just as many conspiratorial you know you can theorize on that stuff all day long but there's just as many ways to look at it from a way that doesn't just kind of blindly followed 
the uh, the right leaning conservative movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And and the quote unquote anti vax movement, which isn't really a real movement, was always like early in my life was a left wing thing. Yeah. Like that that didn't used to be a right wing issue. Well, but we've that, talked about that, that before. Goes all over everything. Yeah. That's that <laughs> every there are people. Uh, from every demographic, I mean every demographic, the places you're, you're going to find that anti-vax is most popular are in California and Texas. Right. So, and, and part of the reason I don't think that's for, really polit like you can't politicize. It, it, it that. doesn't. It crosses political lines. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah, because you have uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of parents who will on talk about it, and they're in tears when they talk about it. They're child was walking and talking and healthy and then after um the mmr vaccine is a big one they they're they are dead in their eyes they can barely walk and they lose all speech and they're just messed i cannot up. Just, I, mean, it's I like cannot describe the level lying, of, of meta study their massive meta studies have found no correlation between vaccination and autism, autism. massive sure, meta Bill, studies yeah, no, there's no bit like back... no. This is independent scientific organizations around the this world. This isn't a conspiracy. Yes, this is multiple international organizations independently doing research have done their own studies, and then meta studies of those studies have not found a correlation between autism and vaccines. And, this and has we're been not... studied on hundreds of thousands of people. And we're not trying to deny yeah, so the... the experiences of of these families because yes, something right. did happen to their child. The question is. Was it vaccines? And the evidence, every paper out there says, no, it was not. So just because it times well with the event occurring doesn't mean it happens. I could get a vaccine, go get hit by a car, and, you know, well, vaccines cause you to be hit by cars. You know, it's it's that. Well, but even, yeah, it's like, like the- it's more predictable than that because it, you would notice those symptoms around the same time that people are getting vaccines. So there's, there's more of a pattern there uh, where people are recognizing that because of the timing it's not just uh you know a a rare coincidence it's just a more common coincidence so people make that correlation i bill thompson who actually still works at the cdc asked to be subpoenaed by congress and there's hours of phone conversation with him that was taped and documents that he released from himself he was a senior uh, scientist at the cdc and he says they buried and covered up the link between vaccines and autism, specifically in black boy, little black boys was where it was the most common. I'm um, extraordinarily comfortable going out on a limb and saying that he is factually mistaken. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, he's, he. I think he's credible, but I mean, that's, uh, I'm, well, again, yeah, I'm not a scientist. Over 1.2 mil- million children have been under 10 different studies trying to show a relation between vaccines and autism. And according to some of those studies, MMR vaccines may actually decrease the risk. <laughs> Isn't that that's that's hilarious? Decrease the uh, Yeah, the, the MMR is a weird one because they actually had no safety studies listed. You remember like earlier in 2019 when it was like, oh my God, the measles, the measles, mumps, oh my God. It was like this big thing. It turns out their batch, Merck's batch of MMR vaccines was about to expire. And that's why there was this big news push because they had to sell those shots. Oh, but that is that aside, um, they had no safety studies listed for the MMR vaccine. Robert Kennedy Jr. actually had to sue and won in discovery, and their own studies showed that the shot was more deadly than having mumps or measles. 
almost all the kids it was like what was it i can't remember the percentage offhand but a lot of them had long-term side effects for the full extent of the trial that were way worse than mumps or measles um it's mmr is also they have a monopoly on the i mean sorry merck has a monopoly on the mmr vaccine and merck is a company that has pled guilty in court to criminal negligence and causing the deaths of hundreds of thousands of americans they sold a headache pill admitted in court that they deliberately covered up that it could cause a heart attack and as a result of that it's estimated 200 to 500,000 americans died so why would you want that company having a monopoly on the mmr vaccine and also thanks to dr fauci and ronald reagan <laughs> vaccine manufacturers are not liable at all for any injury illness or death caused by their vaccines so when people get called anti-vaxxers it's really as Robert Kennedy and a lot of other people have pointed out, it's just a way of shutting down the conversation because most of the people that get called anti-vaxxers are just saying, hey, I, one, don't want this mandated to me. I want to get it if I want it. And two, I want better safety studies and I don't want all these pharmaceutical companies to be completely like immune from any lawsuit regarding it. And they all are like immune from any lawsuits even if you die from the shot since the 80s because of Fauci and Reagan. Why is that the case? Uh, well, it's a big money maker. You can actually see uh, Merck had a, <laughs> uh, what was it? They, they had a meeting. I've, I haven't looked at this in a while. A lot of this I'm going from memory, but they had a meeting talking about if man, if vaccines could be mandated, how in much their profit margin would increase. But you uh, have to admit, if you're a pharmaceutical company and you're, and you can't you're not held liable for anything you're going to be a lot less worried now if, if it's if it's dangerous if you are not held liable in any way for the damages it causes i'm gonna i'm gonna step back here i don't think that that's the case but i don't have data in front of me talking going you know in depth as to you know the different legal justifications for the types of accountability that we've assigned to vaccine manufacturers, why we assigned, you know, just a national vaccine compensation fund versus other alternative legal options that were debated and talked about. But I do have a problem, or at least I'm very, very skeptical of this idea already because I don't like you're making like when you make the claim that vaccines and autism are related and i'm looking at 10 different studies that have been combined in a meta study that covers 1.2 million children I, showing there's no relation you you could understand why i'm begin having doubts about some of your other claims related to the same topic right i technically never did make that claim i just brought up all the parents who say it and a doctor who says well no never... if, you're, if you're going to represent them as an open idea in the field of discussion why right. would you do that and 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 wonder if we should take it seriously or not like we the picture if, i'm if, trying to paint is is if, vaccines vaccine vaccines vaccines should be man, like not mandated um and i'm not anti-vaccine i think i would like i i when i have a kid i'm at least give them the uh you know the tetanus shot the um tuberculosis shot i'm not anti-vaccine i'm just saying especially this new one is like we have no idea what the long-term effects of an mrna vaccine are going to be well, you understand the cost of not vaccinating, right? Right, that's the thing. So everything. So when we in healthcare, there, there, you have to do risk assessment. Uh, 
So I had a stroke three years ago and I remember, or not three years ago, two years ago. And I remember the doctor coming in and saying, we want to go in and do an angiogram. There is a risk. You could have another stroke. If you do this, do you want to proceed? That's called informed consent. And I had to weigh that, that, you know, reality with the fact that if I don't do it, I could be in a worse situation. So yes, anytime you are performing any sort of medical intervention, that includes taking Tylenol to receiving a vaccine, to having a surgical procedure, you are taking a risk because there are absolutely no guarantees that it's going to be effective or that it's going to do what they say they do, or there won't be an adverse effect. If we have studies and we go back and we look long-term, we do these longitudinal studies that track outcomes, and that's how we determine what the actual level of risk is. So when the um, COVID vaccine was offered to me, I took it. I was one of the first in line to receive the Moderna. I've had both of my doses. I feel perfectly fine. Um, I'm not afraid of it because all it is is a bit of genetic material that tells my cells to produce a cov spike protein and everything else is no different than what we put in the other vaccines so i am confident in the science behind that vaccine and that, that that's just the reality of, of scientific studies when it comes to medicine well and then yeah don't i you, mean don't you I, also kind I, of have I, to I'm factor in nobody should uh, don't you also ahead, kind sorry. of have to factor in um you know how effective it is if people just voluntarily opt in uh, if nobody does, like with the mask mandates, um, you know, in places where uh, in the South where people are not doing it, I know in Tennessee, um, you know, you guys are having spikes right now uh, in places where people are following procedures. Would that not make that more effective? But if nobody chooses to do it not voluntarily, then then what do you do then? Well, yeah, but so California the... is so densely populated. Right. <laughs> you, so what? That, that's this is what different... I see. I see this, when this all started, when the mask mandates came out, I saw people saying, well, masks don't work and we're not going to do it. And then cases continued to climb and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because now they can say, oh, look, people were wearing masks and the, and the rate of illness increased. But it increased because half of our population isn't taking this seriously and they are transmitting it to people who are following procedure but may come in contact with others or, you know, live with people um, in close I mean, proximity. Like New Zealand just had, like, a case again for the first time in Yeah, months. for the first time. Well, and they're they like are, an island, though. Yeah. And that is That's the point. To their benefit. But we are not an island, and we need to start treating our our, vac our response. Well, don't you got to admit it's Seriously. a little ridiculous what they're saying now is actually you should be wearing two or three masks. Who said that? Actually, I've seen the double mask <laughs> that's, recommendations that's coming out. The last week. Yeah, I've seen it. It's ridiculous. I, seen, um, I, seen, well, I mean, Fauci, I mean, you I can play it. the clip. Uh, if, if you can, I can send it to you. A Fauci on 60 Minutes saying nobody should be walking around right now wearing masks. Uh, they're not going to help. They might make people feel better, but they're not going to help. And then was, uh, there's an, that I got was very early. Very early. Yeah, I got another pandemic. clip of him pulled up saying. That, that's not he, recent, though, is it? That was uh, March, April. Of right. Yeah, that's way, and then, way back at the beginning. And that was before sure, but then, like, we've but then gained a lot later, more knowledge since then. And we were the preserving is, PPE. This is like one out of a hundred examples of Fauci lying through his well, teeth. No, no, no. He, he was says, mistaken. There's a difference. If you, if no, 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 back no, at the beginning, I, 
we didn't understand all of how it worked yet, that we've even now made recommendations that maybe we don't have to take uh, as seriously, you know, uh, cleaning surfaces because it doesn't survive on surfaces as well as we initially thought. But masks have not, in fact, we've actually um, changed our opinion that masks are uh, far more important than we initially thought right at the very mm-hmm. beginning. And and that's been been shown in, in See, that's multiple the thing studies with- now that, that masks reduce transmi- transmission rates. Are they perfect? No, nothing is going to be perfect. Until we get a, the vaccine deployed, this is going to be out there. Um, well, Fauci's saying even if you get the vaccine, you should still be wearing a mask. Yes, because we yeah. don't know if we have um, um, sterilizing immunity yet. My doctor, I, I very likely had it. My doctor told me that, you know, there's a very good chance that that's what I had in January that made me, you know, end up in the emergency room with months and months of severe daily multiple asthma attacks for months. Um, and because it's unknown, I asked my doctor, does that mean that, you know, I, I don't have to worry so much about getting it? And she said, you know, it's still fairly unknown. I, there's no way for you to know if you're actually immune or whether you can transmit it. You basically still need to behave as though you haven't had it to be, you know, to err on the side of caution. Um, and as I also somebody- have a clip of Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I was going to say, personally, as somebody who suffers from asthma and has been, you know, fairly severely uh, impacted by this, I went for a month where I was basically at home uh, and I didn't have to wear a mask. And then when I did have to end up going back to work, I wear one all the time. It doesn't make it any harder for me to function. And I have, uh, you know, a a pre-existing or a, a physical in condition that would make it harder for me more than regular people. So it's kind of hard for me to feel sorry for people who just, you know, freaking refuse to wear it because they like their freedom. That I think that's one of the things but that's most frustrating for me. I, it, the way the way a lot of people are looking at it, and I don't tend to disagree, is the mask is a symbol of submissive compliance to yeah, see, an establishment that doesn't... Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> Um, it's fucking bullshit. I, I was gonna say I do. Have why a, why I, is I that a symbol a of submissive compliance and a seatbelt law is not? To me, it's a symbol of respect for other people's fucking health. I mean, that is. I the would most... say seatbelt law is too. Honestly, you should have your. You should legally well, have, see, have your kids strapped in, but not yours. See, well, is, a seatbelt doesn't. Little, it dehumanizes a, you. A seatbelt doesn't protect the people face, around you. It protects. Board. It protects okay. you from the accident, but a mask doesn't protect you as much as it protects the people protects around others. you. So Allegedly. to me, it's it's just disrespectful. Wait, wait, do do we disagree still that in places that have instituted mass mandates, we have seen a trend of decreased transmission rates? No, I don't disagree uh, at all. That, I can show you guys the data. I've seen a lot of that. charts that would suggest the opposite, but that's, I mean, that's all based on how much you trust the data, right? Can, okay, can I approach something real quick? Yeah. Let's talk about a lot of the Fauci inconsistencies and and the inconsistencies in general. And let's, like, hear me out on this. We're having to do, regardless of what anybody believes, people are dying from this virus. This virus is highly contagious. Nobody wants to see uh, a million people wiped off the face of the planet this year. (laughs) We're approaching it. Okay, uh, I think the death toll is somewhere between two and two point eight million now worldwide. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. Four hundred. With that in mind, hours. with that in mind, there's a lot of people that have got to do a lot of science really fucking fast, and there's a lot of people that have got to do journalism really fucking fast, 
and the journalism pressures the science pressures the government because the government's the one giving all the information to you know the 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 media or otherwise so there's a lot of pressure being put because whoever can get the most information the quickest is going to release it so they can see their ratings up okay that's definitely true well obviously but so that makes it highly likely that media companies are going to release information before it should be released and then not only that we have a president and people in his cabinet that want to release information or make blanket statements that are uh, probably not should be made yet and he's done it the whole goddamn no i'm talking about trump because i i we had a president Oh, yeah, well, I'm yeah, so right. P- I am so PTSD'd over Donald Trump <laughs> that I just can't, like, I'm still in Trump. Dude, he's not president where you guys may be at, but he is president still here in where I that live. That was the most fun four years of politics that we ever had. It was awesome. Um, not for it the was people like the that, Super Bowl that, every goddamn day. Well, but not for, not for the people so who funny. directly were impacted by the presidency. I mean, you know, it's easy for, but, for, for me to sit here and say that, but... Uh, there were people well, that were the, negatively affected by him. What about the ex, uh, executive order that Trump signed lowering the price of insulin and um, EpiPens and wouldn't allow them to price gouge it, and Biden first day undid that executive order? Ooh, I'm, gl- I'm glad you asked about that. So this has yeah. to um, actually, it applies to what's known as 340B pricing, which is a special pricing that um, certain pharmacies get if they are serving a what's known as a disproportionate population. So they have a large proportion of low-income patients, and what it does is it allows these pharmacies, because their reimbursement rates are so low, to actually pocket some additional money to help maintain their operations. So what this uh, moratorium did was allow them to go in and actually better financially analyze the realities of such a decision. So what what uh, is going on is these rural health clinics, which are a vital lifeline uh, for communities, um, might not be able to continue operating uh if they are passing on that cost savings directly to the patients that they serve, uh, because that's bypassing a whole reimbursement process. So that's really the reason it was paused and they can either choose to, you know, let it proceed in a couple months or, or modify it. So that's really all that is. And it's been blown out of proportion. My understanding is there's, it also was, uh, there was a lot of middlemen companies that don't do anything but ship it. Like and th- that was they were price gouging as well, and that ended that it wasn't just local clinics. Right. Well, as as a, as a diabetic who has to pay substantial dollars for insulin myself, um, and I've worked with low income communities, and and the struggle is very real to get insulin to patients. Um, I hope that we can work something out that benefits all parties, um, because. It, it is a significant issue. Uh, Sam, do you know population. anything about uh, uh, like the the companies that are involved with a lot of the diabetes medicines, like uh, Eli Lilly? For, Eli for Lilly, yep. yeah. Um, who's who's who was Trump's HHS or was it HSS? I don't know. It's HHS. Uh, yeah, who is his HHS? I don't know off the top of my head. Look it up. He was. He was over Eli Lilly for, oh, really? for a long time. There was a lot of pressure on Eli Lilly, and they actually launched a um, special access 
line essentially for patients who are struggling with insulin um it allows them to get their prescriptions cheap and there's uh, a here's here's another thing that i have um a lot of hesitations and frustrations with about this whole kind of like pointing at all the vaccine makers and and saying there's something really bad going on here meanwhile the last what 10 15 years there has been a opioid pandemic in the country or the opioid Bingo. epidemic in the country before that, what was it? Crack cocaine. Who brought the crack cocaine in? The government. The CIA. The gov- yeah, the government. Who brought in the the opioid crisis? Purdue Go look and a up- bunch of other pharmaceutical. Some of the yeah. things, actually, it was some of the same pharmaceutical companies that manufacture vaccines. Well, there also is a, a lot that uh, that are involved with the. Trump administration that are tied into opioid tons of them and Eli Lilly also is one of the bigger antidepressant companies so before we go and we're like everybody's there's like this trend of anti-vax stuff meanwhile a lot of people are missing the scramble that's going on in the pharma world where the opioid companies are you know, paying out giant settlements because right. I, I I find it highly but, likely that there might be a lot of um, spooky things involved going on with with COVID. But I think it's probably more likely that a lot of it was triggered to uh, put money where uh, Donald Trump and several other big figures want to put it. Well, the, and, the, I mean, there's definitely. That's definitely true about the the opioid crisis. Um, I think Adderall and antidepressants, especially Adderall to children and those type Ritalin, are criminally overprescribed. Um, doctors are in jail for, and pharmaceutical companies have been fined for bribing mm-hmm. people to prescribe that. But the, here's the difference: what here's why people are not so up in arms about antidepressants and opiates and all that. There's no talk of mandating that to you. You are not forced to take that pharmaceutical product. Vaccines are the only ones that they are don't have to. immune from liability and also <laughs> don't have are to. being talked about being forced. So they just don't have to. That, that brings me around to, to really the question I want to ask. Because you, those so. are addictive and ma- vaccines aren't. Well, but, and actually, uh, Sam, uh, I, I, we, we had talked about this before, was the kind of the consequence of not, like the risk of taking it versus not. Uh, do you mm-hmm. have a, a take on that? Yeah, so... <sighs> We know what the long-term effects of COVID are. It's been around long enough that we can see if you get a COVID infection, you could be long-term, end up on long-term disability, um, long-term fatigue, heart damage, brain damage, stroke, um, uh, kidney damage. It's It's a nasty bug that we still don't have our heads wrapped around 100%. There's no doubt that this virus has killed 400,000 Americans. Uh, It's got a mortality rate of around 99% on average, but among the elderly, that drops to a 90, um, you're 95%. So the only way we hit herd immunity, and I think everyone will agree here, is either you get the vaccine or you catch COVID. Your risk with a COVID infection is far higher than anything we're seeing adverse event-wise, with the vaccine. So why would you oppose mandatory vaccination 
um, in the face of that reality. Um, because that is a, a mandatory, any medical product is the opposite of informed consent. Uh, consent being the key word there. You also, Why I, I mean, is informed the doctors consent? and nurses, I know, I know more nurses than doctors, but like the few doctors I know and the nurses I know and the people I know in the health field, not one of them are taking the Pfizer or the Moderna. Um, I know in certain states, it's as many as 60 to 70% of nurses are not planning on taking it um, because a lot of them have seen the firsthand effects of vaccines, I would argue. But, uh, and then what's what's the lowest demographic as far as uh, plant, you keep, you keep uh, vaccine hesitancy is the phrase you keep hearing. The main demographic that has quote unquote vaccine hesitancy, hesitancy is the African-American community because they know their history and they know about the Tuskegee experiment and a handful of others similar to it where people were told they were being vaccinated and they were intentionally injected with live syphilis, syphilis as part of an yes. experiment. I, I feel we've left the question behind, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. We kind of jumped off because part of that is uh, our good points, but we did kind of uh, evade the question, if you will. Like, the question is, like, there are real harms from the viruses that we vaccinate against like meaningful harms that you by not getting vaccinated become a threat to other people like you talking about the mmr vaccine the reason we vaccinate against one of the reasons we vaccinate against rubella is because in if mothers have rubella it is a risk to a third in the third trimester to their pregnancy like a serious risk is it fair to force that risk on children like to a you child talked about in the third trimester right if if the mother has rubella it is a danger to the fetus well the, the uk government and even fauci himself said women who are pregnant or are planning on getting pregnant should not take this vaccine i must have i was talking about rubella this vaccine okay, but this this vaccine has different health risks but those health risks are meaningful to people that aren't the people getting the vaccine vaccine there are consequences to demanding your freedom that comes with a cost of life yeah what about there, those people's and consent? there there is a there is a reason that informed consent is accepted a moral reason like inf informed consent isn't this you know great be all deontological argument for truth. It's just a thing that we tend to like. There, there are there are reasons that we prefer it in many situations. But it's not as if there's some law in the universe that says if you don't have informed consent, you should never have to experience this. That's not a thing. That's actually the Nuremberg codes exactly that, what they are. That again, the Nazis that's were still not a thing. Vaccines on on concentration camp uh, victims. There are never we we vowed as a, as as the UN treaties uh, Nuremberg codes we vowed never again would we allow anyone to be uh, have any me medical procedure without their consent is my understanding of the Nuremberg code. It's it's also the basics of all healthcare ethics. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that informed consent is not important. However, at an individual level, when you have to make that decision. Why are you more willing to get COVID than the vaccine itself? And more willing to spread COVID, yes, potentially. That, yeah. And that's well, the, the key. The, uh, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, uh, both like they both admit that it won't stop you from spreading it. 
That's we don't know that yet. They, they can't. They, say they, they can't claim it because they don't know. I've got the vaccine right, information kind of sheet right here, um, which is why they're still recommending uh, social distancing and yeah, masking, which EUA. people are also refusing to do. Right, but if so, they, they're saying you might have to take it every year, Fauci mm-hmm. and uh, what his yeah, buddy were saying. That. So if they can't tell if it's going to work for a whole year, how can they possibly know what the long term side effects will be? Ten years down the road, there, I don't understand what the long-term side effects would be because it's nothing more than a piece of uh, RNA wrapped in a lipid envelope. That's all it is. It's not even as advanced as an influenza virus in terms of we're actually going to inject you with a virus particle. You're using uh, your yeah, own cells no to to produce to produce that COVID spike. Um, and then the mRNA degrades and it's no longer usable uh, by the body. So uh, I, it's not I, I honest- how I've heard it. Ex- I've heard it explained by, I mean, doctors in a much scarier way that it's literally altering your DNA at the cell. Which it level. does not. And yeah, that's, that's not been, true. That's been. I mean, you're you're pig on that's... talking about media influence, and you're expressing your your influence by media that may not be you know accurate. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a problem with everybody. Um, not just like any, any it's like we all you, it's easy to go to www.imcorrect.com <laughs> to find what you want to see and we all i think i think all of all five of us would admit that we've done that before but um are you able to get any of the clips i've uh, sent you on the twitter dms there thomas oh sorry i'm not i I'm did not send linked, the uh, i'm not linked on twitter on my computer it's only on my phone oh okay well uh, maybe I could email them to you, but I've got the, uh, I sent you the link to law.cornell.edu where it talks about I mean, the, uh, bylaws we are, where, um, I'm sorry, we where, are over an hour. manufacturers so are not. I don't uh, know that we have to. time to play many clips just because of, uh, time. Uh, I know with the right, five right. of us, there's a lot of conversation and I want to try to keep today's show around an hour, hour and a half or so. And we're already at that one hour mark. So I, I do want to kind of be careful for time, but. Got you. You you mentioned well, I, the Nuremberg was... codes a bunch. Why why like those aren't a law? I think they might uh, be in the a next UN treaty. Yes. It's not a. It's I, I believe no, it's a the, UN treaty. The it's UN not a treaty law. that refers to it is Article Seven of the Universal Declaration of Bioethics and Human Rights. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of that, an agreement than a law. And and that agreement includes the right to vaccines. The right to vaccines, not the right to force vaccines. Now, it doesn't exclude that, though, that I'm seeing. And even if it did, it is an agreement. What we are talking about is the moral... What I was talking about is the moral important... The moral weighting of informed consent versus the risk from not vaccinating in a mandatory fashion. Right, because aren't morals kind of circumstantial? Like, you know, in one circumstance, an action might be very immoral, but in another circumstance, that same action can actually be the moral thing to do. Um, so not, you kind of have to you kind of have to approach it that way, too. Right. Now, I'm as, as passionate as I am about, you know, people getting the vaccine. I'm not a big fan of violating informed consent. I believe that as a society, we should make it very painful for people who do not get the vaccine, such as your kid cannot go to school here if you are not vaccinated. Um, And, you know, obtain compliance that way. If you want to participate in society, you've got to play by the rules of society. But I don't believe we should be mandating that every American get vaccinated because I do understand some people just don't want it. 
And and I can I can you know compromise on that. And, I don't and need some to be hard. People might not be able to right. Like that's right. There are people with immune like. Which is why it's all the more important for people who can to get it. So to get those it. People right. 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 Even Fauci's saying people that are prone to severe allergic reactions don't take it. Or if you do take right. it, make sure you're like at somewhere where they can treat you for that. Yes. And that's um, kind of standard knowledge with all of, you know, medical uh, uh, intervention is if you if you're known to have, a, you know, some sort of negative reaction to it, then you shouldn't. And those people are particularly um, reliant on everybody else to comply. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so um, what do you do when you it's have a like, my body, my choice thing for, I think it's just like, uh, so what about when half the country decides that they just want to make the, the wrong choice? Then what? You just well, let... who decides what the wrong choice is? Well, well the wrong I choice would, is obviously all, based off of statistics. Be... Yeah. That's the wrong choice. You know, ignoring the COVID virus and letting it run its course naturally. Well, we can't ask those people's choice. opinions because they're dead now, but yeah. I would think that they would prefer not to be dead. Right. Right, but you could say that about people that have died from vaccines or died from anything. It's like which is significantly it, less, like no. substantially Shh. less. Do you uh, do yeah, you kill I, one do, or do you kill a thousand? Do you admit that the COVID numbers are highly exaggerated? No, no they're not. They're not. Okay. Um, I since I've we personally can't play clips, I'll this. just uh, since we can't play. Well, what happened to the flu numbers? How come there's like no flu cases? Because the flu is less transmissible uh, than 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 COVID, and the and yeah, and the measures were taken. We had way more flu cases in 2018 and 2019. Well, yeah, we do now, and and we weren't in a lockdown and using masks as part of social policy. Like these things impact multiple diseases. We're flattening the curve essentially for the flu by trying to flatten the curve for COVID. Two weeks Um, to flatten the curve. Um. So I have a I, I I can't play the clip I guess but I had uh, Dr. Burks. Well, first of all, there's multiple news reports from coroners across the country saying this guy died of an alcohol overdose or this guy died in a car crash. I labeled it as such, and they still counted it as a COVID death. So coroners are getting pissed, doctors are getting pissed about that. But then I also have a clip of Dr. Burks herself saying anyone who dies, no matter any cause, what the cause of death is, we count that as a COVID death. That's from Dr. Burks' own mouth. So I just I mean and. The, it, it, at a certain point, you, like with that, so that doesn't line Burks up. Though, is, that doesn't line up if we look at the ex- excess deaths in 2020 versus previous mm-hmm. years, being around 300,000 people more than would have been predicted, and what what we expected to see, and us also having attributed 300,000 deaths to COVID. That mm-hmm. number lines up almost perfectly. Perfectly, you can't. You can't. Um, beat the statistical analysis on this because we can predict with fair accuracy how many Americans are going to die every year. So that's why we have this excess death thing. So yeah, we can nitpick. I'm sure there's a few that are miscounted in that 400,000, but the excess deaths don't lie. We know that there are additional deaths. And by and large, that, that argument place. has also been misused where people, oh, well, he, he actually died of a heart attack, but it covid was a contributing factor so they counted it as covid yeah if if, i mean they're like oh well he technically died of asthma but he had covid which induced a you know a a fatal asthma attack i mean i've heard those arguments misused many times as well so if we want to use anecdotal arguments but when it's coming out of dr burke's own mouth i mean that's what i yeah i've heard i've heard doctors also argue the, the the opposite saying that that's been misconstrued but Dr. Burks is like number two to Fauci as far as being America's doctor. It's not like a nobody. 
what you're are you arguing that excess mortality deaths aren't really there because Dr. Brick said something? Uh, no, she's saying that every death, every anyone period who dies that was COVID positive, yeah, so that, regardless of the death, is counted as a COVID right. death. Right. I'll, I'll re-ask. That it. would line up with all of the extra deaths we've seen above what we should anticipate for seeing. Those aren't there because some COVID deaths are getting misreported. Do I mean? Um, I'm not saying nobody's ever died of COVID. If that's what you're yeah, asking. but we're okay. we're saying that the number is accurate because of the number of excess deaths in 2020 versus previous years. Even if we're off 10, wasn't to 20, there less deaths 20%. total in the United States in no. 2020 than there was in 2019? No, there was 300,000 extra deaths. Of all causes, not deaths. just from a virus. No, you can you can it's go back true. on the CDC site and actually check their their uh, death statistics. I'd have to look at that. I was looking at that uh, months ago. So they have but very at the time, a very excellent we modeling on on death forecasts. We know mortality rates pretty good. Um, yeah. So what what do you guys know about PCR testing then? What's your concern with PCR testing? Well, it was a little weird that the day Biden got inaugurated, the, the WHO made new guidelines on how to <laughs> make sure you're not getting false positives with PCR. Because, uh, like, I got a clip here of Dr. Fauci saying if you go above 30 to 35 cycles, especially 35 cycles, the PCR test is almost always going to give a false positive. And uh, they were cranking it up to 35, sometimes 40 cycles on a lot of these PCR tests, uh, which, in my opinion, caused to, in a lot of doctors' opinions, caused to huge increase in false positives. Uh, but then the inventor of the PCR test himself, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Kerry Mullins, I believe, invented the PCR test. He said that, yeah, it's totally useless above 30 cycles and that Fauci, I think his own words were Fauci is an idiot and he doesn't know what he's talking about and he lies to the American public's face constantly and that's the creative inventor of the PCR test. Uh, I just... The PCR test is being used, it seems like, to crank up the numbers to their advantage whenever they want to uh, do a lockdown. Well, we've only had one lockdown, so... My wife got a false negative. Yeah, well, the UK's I... back lockdown, uh, <laughs> so... a false negative, yeah. Well, yeah, false negative <laughs> rates um, are actually rather high on these PCR tests. Um, you're more likely to get a false negative early uh, in, vi in the uh, virus than uh, later when you actually have a higher viral load. So I'm trying to get info on the uh, I mean, advisory I change. I don't disagree that, you know, people are, people are suffering as a result of, you know, us going through a year of basically half-assed lockdowns. Um, you know, people oh, the wealth lost transfer their, has been insane because yeah, of this. Pe people have lost their businesses. Uh, people who, you know, lost their jobs aren't able to survive. I feel like this is one of those things that you just can't half-ass. Um, you either do it right or you don't. I, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't seem like there really is a middle ground. I, right. The government could have given support to people that needed it to be able to have an actual lockdown like some other countries did and uh, you know, actually get a better handle on it. And I feel like we just kind of drug it out mm -hmm. over the last year and we've done miserably compared to other countries. And, and we can't deny the impact on the healthcare system either. I mean, Los Angeles, they're... 100% IT. Of course, the hospitals They're are going to lie. Struggling. I mean, uh, we nurses are being paid 
two, three times the standard hourly rate because they cannot get enough nurses over to these high hotspot areas. So we know that there is a significant impact when COVID hits. Oh, and uh, when we had the spike in Columbus, I, I personally, um, I was doing a, because I work in telecom, so I was doing a service call for a guy downtown um, who, I don't know what his job was. He was on a conference call in the other room while I was kind of working uh, on his internet service in the other room. But hearing that call where they were just desperately trying to grapple with the influx of patients. Um, I, I remember for some reason, one of the things that really stood out was one of the women on the call at, at some point, them just trying to coordinate everything. It got quiet. And she said, man, this is just a mess. Um, yep. like they're, it's, they're desperately trying to cope with, uh, you know, the circumstances that they're in. These people don't doubt that it's real. And this guy was definitely <laughs> taking all of the precautions. What? <laughs> yeah, that's a, this is going to open up a 45-minute conversation, but I'll avoid the most controversial parts of what I'm thinking. Um, I know a lot of people in that work in hospitals and clinics, and they, and I, they are having to cut people because the hospitals are so empty. Yeah. Uh, I, my, no, my no, no, no. I, I actually talked but, to a nurse who lost her job because the hospital didn't have the funding, even as desperate as they were. And yeah, they're short-staffed, grand- like severely short-staffed. Those... those those overshot numbers start to make sense once you start thinking about um, finances and having an ICU overfilled and having all hands on deck. You're using all of course. I do your live options. in a city, so maybe my my experience is different than yours. I'm not sure where exactly you live, but it's fairly urban. Yeah, it's here. a city, but not like a. It's not like a you know Nashville. Uh-huh. And yeah, when I live in right Columbus, which is here. yeah. Well, One of the first interesting thought I want to run by you guys because I know we're we're winding up here and I know I'm not going to get yeah. another chance to ask. Yeah, go ahead. We are kind of. I, I noticed something a while ago and it's kind of made me think why maybe there has been a fairly decent amount of people that are doctors and and medical experts that have leaned in that op that oppositional way against kind of the more the majority thought perhaps in the medical world and here's here's my theory and here's my idea about it because I know a few doctors that are kind of woo woo as fuck I've met doctors that they don't agree with kind of the mainstream views on stuff I take my son to um, an eye doctor that does not do thing, you know, doesn't dilate the pupils, so on and so forth. Because I am certain, I'm certain, I've dealt with my child over and over again, attempting, you know, a a three-year-old's version of fucking eye exam. My (laughs) my ADHD-ridden three-year-old trying to give him an eye exam with dilated pupils, uh, it's not going to happen. God damn it. And then when you give him glasses that are far beyond my prescription or my do- my wife's. Meh. Okay. So I take my I take my son to a woo-woo eye doctor. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the point in that. But here's the thing. Back when back when uh in 2018, and this is really strange that it worked out this way. Back in 2018, Trump passed a bill called the right to try. 
I speculate that the majority of people who are going to be the most apt and they're going to push for the most, uh, they're going to lobby the legislation for uh, experimental forms of um, help for terminal illness are going to be doctors that are kind of out on the fringe. I'm not saying they're all bad people. I'm not saying they're they're deluded exactly, but fringe doctors are probably going to be the people who lobbied that bill more so than anyone. And I've had people disagree with me. I've had medical professionals disagree with me on that. Um, well, we, we need it, people on the fringes just as much as we need people on the uh, totally mainstream. Totally, totally, all for I'm all for it. But Trump gained a lot of momentum in the the medical field because of that not only that trump's uh hhs was a ceo for a huge medical company and it appears to me that maybe there's some kind of corporate war going on in uh the pharmaceutical world Oh, and for so, sure. Uh, even Pfizer and Moderna have been funding hit pieces against each other in the media because it's all. Well, big, I mean, this is trillion dollar vaccine deal that we're doing once this fully rolls out. Look who Pfizer's linked up with. Start start hunting down the other companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a look at Upjohn. Uh, uh, one of the doctors that's in Plandemic 2 worked for Upjohn for a long period of time. Upjohn is now owned by Pfizer. Okay, there's there's a lot of there's uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things. If we would maybe look in the other direction and look at where Trump is pouring all of the medical stuff into, there's positioning going on. And corporate corporate businessmen like Donald Trump are going to look out for their best interests and the interest of those that they need to schmooze and kiss the asses of. Yeah, and that's so not I th- just a right-wing thing. That's uh, Clinton, Obama, Biden type schmoozing I, as well. I, Trump is I just agree. As I agree. Yeah, and so right. Obama was the sweetheart of the pharmaceutical industry. Well, I think Trump downplayed everything on purpose because it honestly, I bet it led to the anti, you know, the antidepressant world and the money in antidepressants to skyrocket. I started antidepressants in 2019. I'm not taking them my entire life. And uh, it makes sense. And you know what else? They're a fucking bitch to get off of. Yeah. So before we just blatantly punch the left-sided media in the face, be willing to swing at the right with every third jab. Fox News is just as bad. Well, um, just keep that number, in mind. Who's the number one funder of cable news and in a lot of cases like New York Times type stuff, especially cable news on the right and the left? By I'm far, sure the biggest advertising dollar is coming from pharmaceutical companies. And we didn't even really talk about hydroxychloroquine, sure. but there's a reason that was universally attacked by the left and the right mainstream. And it's because the pharma- it's out of patent, so it's like a dollar or two a day. And the pharmaceutical companies are not going to make any money off of that. That's an interesting thought, but that's going to take uh, us into a whole nother hour. It's, out of, it's out of patent. It's out of patent. I wonder what the stocks in it would be for the companies that are coming up. Because uh, here's the thing: this is what you got to understand about Trump. 
I watched him uh, do a little meet and greet in Cookville, okay? And there's video footage of it. And he's at a firehouse. And he's kind of like, you can tell he's firehouse impatient. Subs? No, he's in a, like, he's, he, was, oh, he was visiting, like, the fire chiefs and stuff because there was a bunch of tornadoes that went on. That, I could go into a 20-minute fucking spiel about that and how fucking ridiculous it was. But this video footage, you can see him. Firehouse landscaping. No, no, actual <laughs> firemen, okay? Fire department, Cookville oh, Fire okay. Department. So he is there, and you see this footage, and he obviously looks like he's ready to get the fuck out. Like he's, he can tell, you can hear the impatience in his fucking voice. And he starts taking pieces of paper, blank pieces of paper, and just signing it and goes, Here you go, buddy. Sell down on eBay. You'll get $10,000. <laughs> Sell it on wow. I'm not joking. He's no, so funny. No, he's uh, a piece of shit, man. I don't love him. I love to hate him. Yeah. And and that's what So many uh, people are not gonna know what to do in the media, especially with that Trump. Oh, like, I'm turning right on Biden. Gonna... I'm I'm ready to just start attacking Biden for Let's left do it. Yeah. Hey Chris, um, thank you for joining us. It was actually a lot of fun talking to you. Um, I had fun. You guys yeah. gotta come on my show. Come on, Abs and Oh, we gotta come. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, uh, it seems obligatory now. That was uh it's def- that was Chris was from uh Oh no, go go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it's definitely a lot goofier than this. Um a lot of clips, a lot of a lot of Oh yeah. Uh like or, like morning radio kind of sound effect type shenanigans. Um but yeah, you guys come on there. And if it's cool with uh we ought to do that soon, but if it's cool with you, I can post this on mine and link to Analyzed yeah. and yeah, yeah. Uh, make it a Swapcast type deal. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, do you want thank me to? You. Yeah, did again. It, that was it, it, Chris from Abs in a Six Pack. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll talk again in the future. Um, for everybody else, thanks for joining us. That was a really fun episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thanks, Chris. See you guys. Peace. <laughs>